And now, weighing in out of the blue corner, Josh the Pong Thompson. 100%. And on the other mic, he weighs in from the red corner, Big John well, hello to everyone, and yes, I am in a different location because my man, my, my old man is sick and in the hospital, so I am doing this from a faraway location in California. I am on the West Coast. I know you wish you were. No, you don't. You're in <laughs> no. Texas. You want to be there. And my uh, man, Josh Thompson, and I are here to talk about, well, one fight that took place that we're going to go over and some that are not going to take place. So what's happening, brother? <laughs> you doing good? Doing good, man. Yeah. How's everything there on the uh, West Coast? Yeah, it is what it is, you know. Life, yeah. life in the end is a is a is a mean bastard, mm. you know. And so you just got to take it one step at a time. It's a very precious thing that we just don't seem to realize until everything gets to- closer to the end. Yes, sir. You got uh, that right. I would like to say something that would make everything better, but I just know that it never does, you know. And but. You know what? Just the thought, my man. I got a lot of love for you, my man. Just the thought. And and the whole family. Appreciate it. Um, All right. Well, hey, look, there's obviously a lot to talk about. Yeah. You know, the first thing (laughs) we got to talk about. about. Uh, The first thing, let's just just put this out there right now. I just want to say to everyone, I was fucking wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I was so wrong. I, in my mind, there was, look at, I, again, I said, I love Francis. He is one of my favorite guys. He's just a beautiful person inside and out. He's a fantastic MMA fighter, but man, he's going against the very best there is in Tyson Fury and in his first profile. That's just not going to be good. He's going to have a hard time touching him. Well, I just want to say once again to everyone, I was wrong. Absolutely wrong. I enjoyed the fuck out of that fight because I was rooting for Francis the whole time. And I couldn't believe that, you know, from one round to the next to the third round where he knocked him down. And then I'm, yeah. I'm screaming at him, get back to the goddamn neutral corner. Get to the, the. <laughs> he's taking his time there. And then I find out why and I go, okay, it was good. I understand yeah. everything, man. We got to talk about that fight because you got to admit, you want to talk about one of the most compelling situations in combat sports that has occurred because no one ever thought that if it got went to a decision that Francis Ngannou would be right there and possibly winning uh, a fight against Tyson Fury in his first pro boxing match. Well, John, before we even get into the fight, though, okay, let's really let's let's talk. Let's go back to the very beginning. The very beginning is is very True. simple. Let's do that. He he took a ch- and and every media person that's out there right now. Talking like as if they knew the end result is just ridiculous. Well, go back and look. Yeah. No, 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 John, no, no, no. A lot no, of these. No. I look, agree with you. This is a knock on box. Just go. This is this. You just this go, is baby. that. The, yeah, like, and, and everyone's just knocking. They were kind of like knocking him, you know, in terms of, man, he could have made a big mistake. Sure, he's bank, he's banking on himself. And I even, even myself came out and said, like, if you don't have the contract in hand with the boxer, with one of those promoters and hey, ready to sign as soon as your contract is up. I I think you're making a mistake. Yeah. Well, in that scenario, it all worked out. I was leaning more towards I thought he was gonna fight someone like Wilder or yep. he was gonna fight somebody like Anthony Joshua. I never I didn't think that Tyson Fury was the at the top. He was at the top of the list in terms of the yeah, champion, but, but it, he wasn't unattainable. He, he wasn't the one that I was looking at that was gonna entertain it. Um, I was thinking more of Anthony Joshua and, and Wilder for sure, is what I was thinking. Two heavy hitters. You know, both of them, you know, 
it's kind of similar in size. One, I know that I know that Ngannou is a big guy, yeah. but he's not he's not a Tyson Fury like two what two seventy five, two eighty five. No, no, really. let's hold on. This, we'll get into this with the weight. Yeah, Ngannou Nate weighed in at two seventy two. Fury okay. weighed in at two seventy seven, and Fury was way too heavy. Yeah, it's one of his problems. True, true. But when we when when I'm looking, we go back and look at all those things with the with all the media that came out, and there was a lot of bagging on him. He messed up. Remember, it was oh, you, he dropped the ball. He the the ship has sailed. All this stuff was coming out, and he still just he just sat patiently, he sat patiently. He waited, he waited. Then he inks the deal with the PFL. And I believe, I really believe that the deal with the PFL kind of catapulted him into saying, hey, we're okay with allowing you to fight. Yeah. Okay, let's go ahead and get that and get the deal done with MMA. And, and I believe somewhere in that contract, his contract says that he doesn't need to fight in MMA for 18 months. Yeah. So he has 18 months to go ahead and pursue his boxing career. Then the type, remember they had the, the face off, I think it was him and Wilder, correct? At, P, at a PFL. I believe it was Francis Ngannou and Wilder well, that did a face-off. Yeah, John Jones and him facing off. Oh, okay, okay, okay. No, no, no. There was. Can you look that up, Dave? I believe it was Francis Ngannou and Wilder that faced off. Really? At, oh, uh, I don't at remember PFL. that one. I remember John Jones. I do remember John the John Jones, Jones yeah. and the Ngannou. I remember that one as well. Yeah. But there was a Wilder and a uh, and a Francis Ngannou, I believe. Like, they had faced off at, at an event somewhere. Um, But regardless, I, when I look at this, there was talk about it. There was, I thought there was a face-off with the two of them. No, it doesn't appear so. Okay, maybe I was wrong. I think it was. You know, if you if you're gonna really look at this, this comes back to when Francis Ngannou made the decision of, all right, I, I'm fighting out my contract. He did that. Then he goes and he he tries to get the UFC to get into a boxing deal. He tries to bring them with it, and they did not want to do it. And that look at that's their right. They don't have to do it. But after he decided, okay, I'm gone, I'm leaving, I'm going to go do this boxing thing and, you know, I'll sign with somebody else, you know, and, and let's be honest, Dana came out and doing his normal media scrum thing that, you know, people are asking him questions. And what did he say? He said that this man at this point in his career did not want to fight the very best. Well, obviously that was not true yeah. because if he went and he had a boxing match with Tyson Fury, he couldn't have picked anyone any better. So mm -hmm. competition against the very best is absolutely not something that Francis Ngannou was worried about. And the fact of the matter is, he also wasn't worried about money. He went there to win. And that's the one thing that, man, I, I look at him and I go, dude, big balls, big brass balls, because you took on the hardest bite there could be, and you just kept chomping at it. <laughs> breaking it down and you went and did something that it doesn't matter if it shows on the official you know sheet that he wins or loses he won josh he won he won so big because now francis ingano he can write his own ticket wherever he wants the wbc and Mar and uh, marcelio suleiman he's already going to rank him as a top 10 heavyweight boxer he yeah. can fight anybody he wants, and he can fight for as much money. And Eddie Hearn is already talking about wanting to put him against Joshua. And I don't know if that's a great fight for Joshua now that I'm looking at it. It's like, well, let me tell you something. He just proved 
he is, you know, he's a large man. He's always, you know, we've always talked about it. When you stand next to Francis, he's bigger than 6'4". Okay. He's about 6'6". And he has got long arms. He is a fucking just Adonis God as far as he has no body fat on him. And I'll tell you what, I was so impressed because I, you know, I thought he was getting a little tired there, you know, a couple of rounds and next round he'd come out and he would be throwing. And I'm like, God damn, I'll tell you what, super impressive because just, and it was one of the things that we had talked about is, man, he's going to be burning energy just because it's just the atmosphere and who he's fighting. And it's, it's impossible not to. God damn, he had gas, man. He, mm -hmm. he went and I, I know he was tired, but so was Fury. You know, and then, dude, to go those 10 rounds, just freaking remarkable. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think when I look at, back at how it all came about with him in terms of leaving, people doubting him, and then him just patiently making deals on the side with the yeah. PFL deal, then inking this deal, and then people saying it's just a money grab. And like you said, in, in which it was, it is a money grab, but in some in ways, the reality sure. of it is, in some ways it is, but in the reality of it all is that he didn't look at it like I think a lot of the MMA fighters that leave MMA organizations to go and do whether it's boxing or whatever, uh, whatever, but bare knuckle boxing, whatever it is to make that next step level of money for them. Yeah. They, they usually go there to say, Hey, this is a money grab. It's the most I've ever made. It doesn't matter whether I, you know, like it doesn't matter. I've done everything I've already done in my career. They have looked at it that way, whereas he didn't look at it. It didn't seem like he looked at it that way. He took it as, if I do well in this fight, and like I said, and I'm going to pat myself on the back a little bit here, is I told my, I told everybody, I said, look, in the reality of this fight happening, the he possesses the power. If he drops Tyson Fury, it changes his life forever. Yep. Changes you, it. You did say that. You know, and that that's look, I'm, I didn't say whether he would win. I was like, I don't, it's, it's, a, it's a tough climb no matter what I'm winning. Yeah. Okay. But I said in the first three rounds, which luckily, you know, people got to stop sleeping on my predictions here. I said, he's got up until the three rounds to get him out of there, which in the third round, he drops him. And then as the fight goes on, I agree with you. You text me and you said, Hey, I believe he's, it looks like he's getting tired. And I said, yeah, he was breathing out of the mouth. I watched him walk back to the corner. His mouth was wide open. But then in the seventh, like kind of the seventh, which, eighth round, he which, kind of perked back up a little bit. Which tells you he was in shape. He was ready to yeah. go. Yeah, yeah. And look, what it is also, too, is we're used to five minutes straight with a minute rest or a minute 15 after the time we get back in the cage and get going. This is very similar to that. They get their minute. But then also, too, is that it's every three minutes. It's so There's that two extra minutes. It's like that two extra pounds of cutting weight. And it just, it kills you. That extra two minutes in an MMA fight, it just, that's the part you're like, damn, man, isn't this thing over already? But here he got a minute break every time and he was in shape. He was ready to go. Well, I will, well, I will say this though, is where I was wrong was I thought after the third, fourth round that Tyson would start picking him apart, start yeah. snapping the jab in his face, start making it look like target practice. Uh, that was one. Two is. I also want to give, and I, I don't know if he deserves this. I, I, I believe he does. Coaching him is Mike Tyson. I thought if Ngana was going to have a chance, he was going to have to throw, he was going to have to hit him with some big shots, but he'd have to like barrage on him. He'd have to like come at him hard with four and five punch combinations to try to get one in there that would land and put him down. He didn't do that. He stayed on the outside. 
He picked up, kind of just parried away his jabs, kind of just, kind of just waited for his moment, and he threw twos, you know, two sometimes threes, yeah. and he landed those shots. But he, he used an old Mike very... Tyson trick. He did. You remember? Explain Ty- to me. Tyson what? used to frame. He would take an arm and he would frame it against his opponent. Oh yeah, and push. And either come over the top or come up with an uppercut. And you watch Nagano, he did it multiple yeah. times. And I was like, all right, there you go, man. You learn something. And, and you're right. I give credit to Mike Tyson. I give credit to Dewey Cooper. I oh, give absolutely. credit to Eric Nixick. These guys all worked with him. They all believed in him. They all went there saying, hey, man, I'm, I'm, we're here to win. And, and you listen to, to Dewey Cooper when he was going against John Fury in the in the mouthing of the media and, you know, it's like, oh, you're going to know who I am and stuff, right? And it's like, because you say, my guy's going to beat your guy. And it's mm-hmm. like, they believed. And God damn it. I, man, I wish I believed more. You know, mm-hmm. I did. My whole thing was I didn't want to see Francis get hurt. You know, I didn't want to see him get knocked out. And that was a big thing. It was, I was, if he lost, I didn't, you know, you know I expected him to lose. I'll tell you what, I'd have to go back. I've only watched it, you know, live the one time, but I, I had it so close and, Okay, I'm okay if you go 95-94 for Fury, and I'm okay if you go 95-94 for Engano. The one judge, get the fuck out of here. How oh, you you gave him all but two rounds. Shut up. Yeah. Okay. Or whatever. 97-93 or something like what? It was Yeah. Shut up. It was something like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but I I think it, it look at this is this is going to change the landscape because you, everything we have when it comes to boxing and MMA is most of the time, old guys or guys that are, you know, out of their prime or things like that. You got two guys here, both of them in their prime. Mm-hmm. And they went at it and you had the result you had and stuff. And, you know, Francis Ngano, you man, you, you put one on the board for MMA with that performance because you did it against a guy that no one thought you'd be able to do that with. God damn. I love you. Big balls, brother. Way to go. No, I agree. I agree. I guess there's a, I don't know. There's so many different directions I want to go in this conversation, John, because there's a lot more to talk about. Oh, yes, there is. So there's the, there's the point where, look, we want to make sure that Francis gets all the props. Look, going out on a limb, leaving the UFC, getting his deal done with the PFL, and then also to banking on himself. Give it to the PFL. Oh, you have to give it to the PFL. PFL. They believed in him. They let him do it. They knew mm-hmm. this is not this is not a good thing for us, you know. If he goes out there and gets starched, but, mm-hmm. but you know what they said? Hey, we believe in you. Good for them. Way to go! Absolutely. I mean, and they were willing to take the chance. Yep. Look, he came up short. I mean, but I also look at the way you're talking about the judge's decision. Excuse me, the judge's decision. I said I had it leaning a little bit more towards Francis, but I'm also not mad that it went. No, towards, not, and I would. That it went the I other admit way. I'm biased. Yeah, that's true. You know, normally I I always root for you Tyson are. Fury. But no, you are biased. Yeah, well, in, in, in that one, I definitely was. I was going for Francis. So I'm like, uh, I can see why maybe, okay, maybe I didn't look at a round right or something like that. But mm-hmm. it was close. It was super no, close. No, it was close. And, it, it look, was close. and let, let's be honest. And you, here, Here's where I, and I, I really lean towards Francis is who was the guy that was going forward in that fight? And because, look, at ring generalship is part of boxing. It's not like ring control in MMA. Totally different. Ring generalship mm-hmm. in boxing is, do you control where the fight takes place? Well, who t- who controlled where the fight took place most of the time? Yeah, that it, was Francis. It was Francis. Take a look at their faces after the fight. How many marks do you see on Francis? And he even, yeah. got, hit, look, he even got hit with elbows. Yeah, that was nasty in round six. That was a good elbow. 
<clears throat> not a mark. That's some gypsy shit there. <laughs> no, that's some just not a mark. <laughs> and look at Tyson. He had marks all over his face. He had lumps and bumps. I'm just saying that if you look at it, Francis landed the harder shots throughout the, mm-hmm. the, the fight. You know, volume wise, it was close. So it's not like you can sit there yeah. and say, oh, but the volume overtook it. No, it did not. No, it did not. But that's where that's where I think there's a lot of I don't want to say conspiracy theorists, but there's a lot of talk and conversation that goes on. Look, Francis deserves his dues. He deserves what he he came out there and I said, look, if yes. he gets a knockdown in this fight at all, it changes his career. Yes, you did. It changes, and, th- and we're going to see okay. this happen. Here, all right, let, let's just let's just put this to to rest right now, Josh. You said that. I know. That's it. It's over. Don't don't take don't take credit I anymore. <laughs> I, I, look. I, I mean, you know, all of our listeners start hitting me up in the comments, okay? Start pay, give me a little fan clap and some pat on the backs, okay? Start putting some respect on my name, jeez, man. I'm the, I can predict this stuff. Let me just tell you. But um, but I look at it, I look at it that way. But then I sat on here as well, and I said, as soon as he booked that other fight, yeah, and they made such a big deal about him fighting Usyk and Usyk being there in the second row, right behind Ronaldo. It puts that added pressure, and I and I said on this last week's show, I feel like he's using this camp for Engano to get himself ready for his real camp against Usyk. And the way you saw him fight, and not taking anything away from Francis, the way you saw him fight, the output that he normally has wasn't there. Why? Now it could have been because because Francis's power could, could have be. been because of that. It's also because he was two hundred seventy seven pounds. Yes, that because you didn't, you weren't fully in camp, or you just you take you a, thought, you you take a look him. when Tyson Fury fights his best, he's somewhere around two fifty. Got it. Yeah, yeah. But so when you're putting when I put that in the in the equation, did Tyson train for the full five six weeks or seven eight weeks, whatever it is? Doesn't seem like it. His feet were definitely not as fast as they normally are. Nope. His wasn't popping that jab out like he was, like he normally does. He's usually using that thing as like a, a just a constant weapon in nope. your face, nope. making you pay, just snapping it out there. And then he he hit Francis, I believe, in the second round with a nice one-two combination right off the bat. Boom, boom. I was like, okay, that's very nice, you know, and yeah. see more of that. But the output in which he fought the whole ten rounds wasn't what the normal output that he has for his some of his other fights that I've seen in the past. Like I said, I'm not taking anything away from Francis, but we didn't we didn't get we we got we got a fighter that was thrown off by how hard Francis hit. Yep, and probably how, and how strong he was. Physically strong he was. Oh, the, exactly. Did you when know they, at the very beginning in the first round, Fury purposely goes into a clinch, and mm-hmm. he tries to muscle him around, and it doesn't work. <laughs> and I was like, "Hey, dude, you're not going to out grapple him." Okay, no. he's too used to it. Don't don't even try because he was trying to put weight on himself. Never worked against Francis, and, and Francis, like I said, in those situations, many times controlled it, framed out, and you know took a shot or let the the ref come in. But he did a great job in the clinch against mm-hmm. Fury, and I think Fury thought he was going to be able to manipulate him in that clinch, and it it is part of boxing. Well, I mean, outside of Wilder, the guys that he has fought, they haven't been as tall as him. No. So he's used to being able to hang on their head. He's used to being able to kind of like bring them down to his waist level, make him carry the weight. And then as they get tired, he starts piecing them up with the jab in the face, using his footwork to get out of of line of sight, and then hitting them again. He's good at, like you said, manipulating the, the, the ring awareness and then making them pay for it. 
He does a great job of that. Yeah. Stays and then turns them, puts their back to the to the ropes, and then capitalizes on that. He does a great job of stepping off, pushing you to the ropes, and then making you pay. Ta, 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 and then getting back to the center of the of the ring. Yeah. He in this fight, he just wasn't able to move Francis around. He wasn't able to get Francis in the beginning. Francis was kind of reaching a little bit too much. Yeah. But then as the second round, end of the second, end of the third, he settled down. And that's when you saw him start finding his mark. He realized, look, he's going to come in. When he comes in, just be patient. He just did a great job. He, and I sat on here last weekend and said, you know, we've seen, you've seen him spar a lot. I've never seen him spar inside the gym. I've seen video clips. I've seen, you know, all the, some of the things that he's done inside the gym. But we're talking about practice. That's practice. That shit don't, it doesn't equate to anything when you get in there. He's someone that obviously came out with the game plan. He stuck with the game plan. When people are laser focused at the top of their division, they're, they're almost impossible to beat. They're almost impossible to beat. And I feel like, you know, the guys that have been there for a while that lose, they never really kind of get back to it only based on the fact because oh, I've been there. I've kind of done it. You know, now they're looking for other challenges. But with Francis, he's still on that. I'm the, ch the UFC champ. I'm the UFC. I've never lost. Yeah. Now this fight didn't definitely didn't for him. Didn't feel like he lost. No. And I just fought the best boxer in the world. Went ten rounds with him, or the best heavyweight boxer in the world, and just went ten rounds with him. He's like, and a lot of arguably, I should have beat him, or I could have beat him, you know, or you know, or you know, I did got, beat him. It, was, it was split. It was a split decision. First off, it was a split decision. Yeah. I mean that like that's yeah. Or I did beat him. So when I'm when I'm looking at. What the what people at home are saying, what the media is saying, all of these things. All this did was open up the floodgates for MMA guys now to come even more. And yeah. the and those fighters to start saying, hey, UFC, I'm going to fight out my contract, see what I can get over there. That to me, though, John, I'm going to be honest, huge mistake. Okay. Huge mistake for a lot of these fighters. Look, this was done, and I've said this, and John, you, you know I'm going to go this direction, is... This was done because he is a heavyweight. That's right. Do not think that some of you guys are going to go down there and be able to fight with Bud Crawford. You're going to get your ass kicked. You're, you know what I mean? Like, you're not going to step in there with Canelo and, and do well. This was done at the heavyweight division where they just know at one shot could put my lights out. Yeah. I'm sorry, but in the lighter weight classes, it just it doesn't happen like that. These these boxers will put your lights out, but for MMA guys, it's not the same. It's not the same at all. And so I hope that these guys that are in the 170 and the one, you know, 160 something, and they're thinking they're gonna come off and start fighting and boxing. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do that. No, guys, stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. This worked for him. This worked for Engano. He's got the puncher's power. I could see somebody like a John Jones. I'm gonna go over here now after I just saw that. I John, I'm saying Boy. down the line. Not right now. Yeah. Not right now. Not not would not I'm be saying, a smart decision. It wouldn't be a smart decision, but we also like we kind of said the same thing about France. Sure, we'd like to see him box. Cool. But none of us sat here, none of us, and said, if he fought Tyson Fury, it'd be a split decision. No. Get out of here. Yeah, none of us. No, the, nobody dude, did. Take a look at the odds. You saw the odds. Yeah. Okay, the odds I, at the start of that fight. I lost were, I lost a hundred bucks. Okay, but the odds at the start of that fight were what? 1300 1300 for Tyson yep. Fury minus yep. 1300 I think it was yep. 850 or something for mm -hmm. plus 8 plus 850 for Ingano. Yep. at the end of the ninth round coming out in the tenth round did you see what the odds were mm-hmm odds minus were, what minus 400 odds were in, in Ingano's favor meaning 
that the people were, that were watching thought he was winning the fight. Interesting. Odds make. Then I, I didn't see those odds. Yeah. I didn't see those odds. I saw the odds for the rematch. Then I think it was minus four hundred for um, for Fury and plus three hundred no. for the last for, one. In uh, fact, they Francis. they even pointed them out and they said, "Oh my God, look at the odds." As they started, they had them up where they started, and look at them now. And they had Francis Ngannou was actually the guy in the minus. I was like, "Holy shit." Yeah, yeah, you're you're probably right about that. I didn't see those. What I was saying is, I saw the rematch odds oh, yeah, that were no, released no. today, and oh, I think I it was still my it was minus four hundred Tyson Fury plus uh, three hundred. I think Francis. Okay, somewhere in there. But I mean, when this when I bet on this fight, it was Francis. Uh, what's it? Called? It was Francis was a plus thirteen hundred. Yeah. So like two weeks ago, he was a plus thirteen hundred. Wow. Yep. So I put a hundred bucks down. I was like, yeah, let's see what happens. I got. <laughs> ah. Hey, ah. too close. But let, let me let's get into now, let's get into some see, conspiracy theories. Now in, in theories, that position, though. you really want to go and find out who was that boxing judge that gave yeah, that. Yeah, right. <laughs> Son of a gun. Let's get into uh, so the conspiracy theorist side of this, though. <clears throat> they announced the Usyk fight. The Usyk fight. This is taking place in the same exact arena. Yes. And okay, let's talk about that because it is okay. the same same one. Tyson Fury was pissed. Tyson Fury said that that information that that I signed to fight Usyk was not supposed to come out until this fight was over. Because I told them, it doesn't matter. This is the only fight that I'm concerned with right now. Once this fight is over, now you can put it out. And mm-hmm. they went and put it out beforehand. So Tyson Fury talked about it, saying that was never supposed to happen. I do not disrespect Francis Ngannou in any way. I know that he is the person that is going to be trying to punch me in the face. He's the person that I'm worried about right now. I will get past Francis Ngannou, and then I'll deal with Alexander Usyk. So, you know, he didn't want it to get out. Those kind, of, those kind of things. Here's the difference: those things happen in boxing, where they don't happen in MMA. In MMA, the promoters, you know, the promotions run things so much that they have everything kind of planned out where they're going to go and what they want. And so that you get a fight, you have your fight. They're not thinking about, oh, we're going to sign, we're going to sign you for. Uh, another fight before this one takes place because they don't know if you're going to get damaged or anything like that. They're like, no, once the fight takes place and there's another fight, you know, a week away and you don't, you know, you get a fast fight, you get no damage. They might go, Hey, we got a guy dropping out. Do you want this and bring you in that way? But yeah, no, it's a, but there is a difference in boxing. Boxing does have where you'll see a champion sign multiple fights Mm-hmm. You know, one one after the other, knowing that, you know, hey, I got to get past the first one to get to the second one. They do it. So not that yeah. horrible a thing, but a little disrespectful. That's the way we yeah. all look at it. We, um, but like, this is, I think, where it goes, though, is the, cons- the conspiracy theorists will say that Saudi Arabia put a lot of money into building the venue, getting it for the for this fight and the next one. Huh? It's brand new. There's a lot of things. And now they have money to burn. We all know that. But it just goes, well, hey, if this fight would have, if France would have lost or France would have won, that Usyk fight would have been squashed. Toast. Would have been toast. Done. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, John, you've got to be thinking to yourself, well, we're in we're in Saudi Arabia right now and we're going, yeah, like, did did the judges do it right? Did they? Uh, did they? I'm being honest. I don't think so. I thought it was super close. 
But I thought mm-hmm. if you look at everything, I thought Francis Ngannou walked out of there as a winner. Now, once again, I think he walked out as a winner no matter what. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and so, yeah, it's his pro, pro boxing record is 0-1. With a big freaking asterisk because look at who he fought, look at how he yeah. fought, and look at what happened in that fight. And most people are going, "Yeah, I don't, I'm not too sure Tyson Fury won that fight." So mm-hmm. one guy, con- you know, continues his undefeated record, but people are going to look at it. No, you got beat by an MMA guy in a ten round fight. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I I look at some of the things that happened that, are, that I think are hysterical in it though is the attitude that Francis had when you know Tyson Fury, you know. During the stare down, after the stare down, they touch gloves and Tyson Fury tells him, time to go to school. <laughs> you know, and, and oh, that pissed him off. He goes, motherfucker. You know, and I was that's like, so good. that's the attitude you need, man. That's, that's why you are who you are because it's like, you know, look, I don't care how good someone is. There's many guys that'll hear that knowing what that guy has done and go, ah, shit. You know, well, Francis told him after he dropped him, he's like, he's like, I'm the one taking you to school. Yeah, no, he told him, he goes, you're a, you're a shitty professor. <laughs> yeah, sure, teacher. yeah. So, I mean, it was, uh, I was, I was driving while I was watching it. I shouldn't be saying that oh, publicly, but I was driving. Dude, while I don't I was know watching how you it. do that because I'm sitting there going crazy, man. I'm having oh, fun. It was nuts. It was nuts. <laughs> and, um, I, I was in shock. I was in shock. I was a holy shit. I said, doesn't matter what happens from here on out. No. His life has changed. Yeah. Like he, he's gonna he's gonna like he's gonna pick who he wants next and they're gonna want it. They're gonna wanna prove because then if they beat him, then they're able to probably get that next fight with Tyson. So um <clears throat> I don't know, John. It's I because it was his PFL, apparently his contract says he's got eighteen months to box. So he has more time now. And I think with them, they understand how much publicity this is giving him. Is, oh, then, and them. Yeah, and them. But then it's good that, publicity. That's going to bring him right back to the PFL. And everyone's going to be like, okay, well, let's see what he can do with MMA gloves on then. Okay. You know, for all the casuals that oh. hadn't been watching him in the UFC, that were then all of a sudden turned on and watched him against Tyson Fury, then the guest fight happened. Everyone's going to go now that was like, because look, you and I talked about it. I said, hey, how many pay-per-view buys do you think it's going to get? I had friends tell me like probably only like 300. And I was like, well, what about the hardcore boxing fans? And they're like, look, hardcore boxing fans don't give a shit about MMA guys. True. They're like, this is, this is like, this is like watching a Jake Paul fight. Jake Paul doesn't acquire, they don't acquire, they're not getting the hardcore boxing fans to watch them fight. They're getting the YouTube fans to watch them fight. Yeah. And so when you're watching Tyson Fury versus Ngannou, though, they're getting all the MMA fans. They're not really getting the boxing fans. Maybe. 100,000, maybe 200,000 at the most. So when they were talking numbers, they were saying, like, that thing maybe will only do about 400, 450. You matter. and I talked 600. But it didn't You and matter. I were saying about six. Yeah. I said five, five. I thought, you know, somewhere between 450 and five, but it doesn't matter. Who was this thing financed by? Yeah, yeah. That's true. That's true. Do you think, and, and this Trillionaires. is, and this, okay, Trillionaires. And this is why I sit, you know, sit here and say it. it doesn't matter. Josh, take a look at the people. They didn't sell. Obviously, they sold the arena. They had basically two arenas, one outside, one inside. But look at the fighters that were over there. Now, those fighters, not one of them, not one of them paid for their flight, which was all first class, okay? Not one of them didn't make a nice, sizable check for being there, okay? You know that's true. They all got treated first class. And what is that telling you? They don't care about the money. No, they, they care don't. about hey, look at who's here, 
Look at what we're putting on and look at our event. And they, dude, they were winners. They were winners throughout. No matter what, Saudi Arabia, the kingdom of Saudi Arabia, they won in that entire event. They're building, I think it's a 12 mile long mirror city. It's all enclosed in the middle of the desert. I know. And I'm like, dude, you guys just have nothing to do with your money. You don't even know what to do. You're just thinking shit up right now. We're going to build a city and it's a mile wide by 12 miles long. Yeah. It's all enclosed. I know. It's It's all mirrored. It's got a full jungle on the inside. Yeah. It's it's, cool. Like what the? They can do it. Um, Yeah. If you can do it. Um, I don't know. There there was, if you, what's it, let's, let's get into like some takeaways. Okay. And you and I were texting during this whole thing. John, the one thing that I want to say, the, the, look, I enjoyed the main event. I did. But please, please, if you're going to throw another show, if you're going to throw uh, another boxing please. show, please don't make it an hour and 20 minutes between the co-main event and the main event. I don't care about all the stuff. In the, I don't look, and I, I get it, but I felt like I was watching the fucking Grammys. Well, you know, and again, it was, here's what people need to figure out as far as what happens with, you have this pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. And they they came out and they said that oh the main event will walk basically at this time mm-hmm. Eastern time U S and I think that was four forty five to five o'clock something like that. Well, you know the the first fight was a first round fight. The second fight was a was a first round fight. Yeah. The third fight was a first round fight. So they're they're like they go from being. Mm-hmm. ready on their sheets with mathematical equations saying, okay, here's where we're at. We're, you know, we're 30 minutes you know, heavy or 30 minutes light. Well, they got light real fast and oh, they yeah. were in trouble. And, and it is one of the problems when you have those type of things that come out saying they are going to walk at this time. You've got to adjust because you really put it in a position where people don't like your broadcast mm-hmm. based upon it's taking too long. They, they're losing interest. They want to see the fight, but they're just they're pulling their you know hair out, having to watch bullshit after bullshit. And you're making you know Tim Bradley say this, and then come back and say it in a different way. You know, twenty minutes later, and I, I was kind of like telling you, I said, "Stand by." You know, this is yeah. <laughs> you got to well, get set for. Well, John, you and I, we this is what we do. And so when we have these kind of when fights go down in Bellator and they go down fast. You're like, okay, well, now we got to fill a little bit. And so when you see like where John and I get brought together in a, in a two box, because. <laughs> it's because like the fights ended a little earlier than they were supposed to. So John, they're like, hey, can you and John talk about the main event a little bit more in depth? And then we're like, yeah, sure, let's do it. So they put us in a two box and maybe sometimes Amanda comes in and sometimes she doesn't. But we talk about that or we talk about maybe a fight that happened earlier. You're really just trying to get time to go by, but about something that fans would be interested in so you don't lose them. And what you found was they brought in and look, when you're doing something over there in Saudi Arabia or Dubai or Abu Dhabi or whatever, you're, they're bringing in the top level of talent. Doesn't matter. They're going to have this music artist. They're going to have these fighters there. They're going to have all this. They're bringing in the best of the best. True. That's what they do. Yeah. But you also got to the point where it was, it was just too much. Yeah. It was too much. Cause I, I, no I, one cared. yeah, no. Yeah. And, and let me read this to you real quick. This was, I saw something that Shab had posted and he goes, this is the problem with boxing. Low level production, pay-per-view started at 11 a.m. Main event, which uh, won't walk until 3 p.m. He's on the West Coast, by the way. 
hour of bullshit filler, live music before main event. We don't need to be sold on the fight. We just paid $80 for this shit. Please just give us the goddamn fight. Look, if you're a pay-per-view, we've already paid for it. We know yeah. what we're getting. Yeah. Like we it's we're 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 in. We're balls deep in you right now. Okay. Let me just get to the fight. I get it. Let's talk about the fight. Let's break it down. It's more in depth. Let's let's maybe have an extended conversation about how Francis can get it done, not just his power, not just this, or how Tyson get it done, or what could happen if Tyson doesn't get it done. Let's talk about the what ifs afterwards. All of those things could have been talked about, you know, kind of leaving it to fill that gap a little bit, but they filled it. It was literally like I think an hour and twenty minutes. Yeah. Well, let me ask you guys this: as the as the behind the scenes guys, um, is there is there a reason for the fighters that that would make sense? Like, is are Tyson and Francis kind of on a schedule where they're expecting these things as well, and so that everything they're doing is according to? Uh, yeah, because they were to told schedule? this is the time that you're yeah. going to walk, so they know exactly before they leave their hotel. You know, obviously, you know they're the ones kind of in control of how long they want to be there before their fight but you know when they leave their they know the time and they know how much time it's going to take to get their hands wrapped how much time they want yeah. you know each one has different times for warming up and as soon as they get done with the warm-up trust me they want to walk yeah you know and so they've been told and they scheduled it around what they were told yeah, I mean, like when I would show up for fights, I'd show up. And normally, like I was either co-main or main, or I was like kind of in that little mix there. So I would show up the fight before the main card started, and I would get, I'd get there, jump rope before I even got my hands wrapped. As soon as I got done jumping rope for about 10, 15 minutes, I'd shadow box for about five, 10 minutes, I'd get my hands wrapped, put all my sweat suits on, get warm, stay warm. As soon as the hands were wrapped, put the gloves on and start rolling, grappling, and then that usually led me into like, okay, that was a light flow grappling light mitt work, whatever it was. Then I waited till right before my fight was supposed to go right before the fight, right when the fight was fighting before me, Usually the fight, I'd hit exactly. hard mitts. Exactly. I'd take downs, you know, because you know, you got, you got, you got grappling. somewhere in the area of yeah. eight to 20 minutes. Yep. yep. So then is that the hour and a half then that we're, that we're waiting on? Or is, well, is, and so no, then, where they made, you combat no, that, John? where they made the mistake Sorry. in this one is they told them when they were going to walk. See, in, yeah. in, in MMA, like they normally don't tell you you're going to walk at this time. They yeah. say, look, as the, the pace of the fights go, you go. Um, mm -hmm. Now, don't get me wrong. They still try to get it to where it's kind of normal for you to get a, a certain amount of time. But also, too, they've got guys like Burt Watson in the back for Bellator. He used to work for the UFC. Probably the best in the game yep. in terms of keeping the fighters notified. Hey, okay, you're on deck. You need to you get got 30 sure minutes. you're fully wrapped. You got, you got 30, 30 minutes. minutes. You got 15 minutes. You know kind of where you're at it takes that person in the back we've got mj we've got bert you know people that work for bellator and they really break it down they tell the fighters hey you guys are going to be up here in about 15 minutes make sure you got a sweat going make sure you got your thing going whatever it is you do for warm-ups be ready to go and so there's a structure in the back that's being run and that's all walkie talkie to the front to the cage side manager who's saying okay look we have that goes up to the guy who's running the the music and then they all coordinate with each other okay next guy's on deck fights in the cage there's a lot that that's goes how into it all works yeah. yeah there's a lot there's 250 employees just cage side and just in the back just employees that's not counting the people that unload the cage put the cage away put up all the monitors put up the speakers that's not even counting them there's 250 employees that are just all around making sure the show runs properly and maybe even more if you know depending on the organization and depending on where you're at in the venue yeah so but this was one of those things where you could just see they were struggling they were struggling to keep this thing going to keep it as to where the fighters could walk out in their proper time. 
giving them the time to get their hands wrapped, giving them the time to, uh, you know, hit mitts, get ready, warm up, whatever it is, whatever their ritual is in the back to give those fighters that time. So, so, so is that based on like money then? Is that based on like, hey, we're paying you guys? No. Are, are, is it, is that like the talent's decision then that like, hey, we're going to walk no. at five, whatever it they was? They have no control like, over that. So then are you guys saying the the promotion or the, the whoever's or putting it on the event should not make that commitment so that they can move things along if they need to? Yeah. Well, you, and this is, you know, let's just be honest about it. This is when, how many times have you done this? What's your production company? Who, what's the community? You know, I can tell you, you know, the UFC, when I started with them, you know, had a, a specific communication. Then it became ConCom. And that was Al Connell and Bruce Connell were in charge of ConCom. And they did such a good job of being able to manipulate time and do things that, you know, they made the show flow great. And, you know, when the Fertitas took it over, all of a sudden, you know, they were going to get rid of ConCom. And then all of a sudden they realized, eh, maybe we shouldn't. Mm-hmm. They're still there. They say they do a, a phenomenal job. You know, they've had the same guys for a long time. So, you know, a couple guys go in and out, but you get used to being able to take those things. And the UFC's had this problem at time. Bellator's had this problem at time. Mm-hmm. The PFL, I watch them, they have this problem at time where you get fights that go so fast that all of a sudden you are yeah. in trouble. And especially it happens when you have you you have a hard out. That hard out is either, hey, don't go over this limit, but you need to make it to this limit. <laughs> and that's mm-hmm. where it becomes, sometimes it can become difficult and you're trying to fill time. And that's what they were doing. Yeah, you'll notice back in the old days, remember when the UFC used to pay for their pay-per-views? They had to be off air at like 10 o'clock. If they went over, they charged them yeah. a certain amount of money. Oh, oh, another another hour of time. Yeah, another. And so with or the they Bellator, shut them off. right? Yeah, or they shut them. Exactly. They've done that they a couple that. times. Um, what you run into, though, is that some of the, like with, with Bellator, with Showtime, what it was, was since they own the company, they just said, hey, we need you to kind of be off by 11 o'clock. If you're not off by 11, the hard out is going to be 11.15. And if it depends if they're followed by like some sort of other event or some other like thing that had to run at a certain time, they they would, they would. It would kind of worked against them. It backfired. Like there was some heads were heads were being uh heads Swatted were being taken. Around. Swatted around. Yes, yeah. <laughs> someone was getting in trouble. But then you also run the other way. When you guys watch UFC, you guys got to pay attention. When you have Megan O'Leary standing like near the entrance or on the cage, you know, look, she's prepared probably for every fight. Yep. In terms of the main card, she's prepared, and maybe even probably the top four or five in the prelims, prepared to talk about each one of those fights. But the ones you see her talk about is because the fight before probably finished early or two fights before that finished early. Okay. And then, or there's a, there's a fighter they really are high on. They want to make sure that gets in there for people to start following this fighter. But there's a lot of times where she does a hit and it doesn't make it or they just don't have her do it because they're crunched for time. She's got to be ready to act on the fly. That's what makes her, that's what, that's what is so spectacular or what. Megan O'Leary does and other girls like Jen Brown or the females like Jen Brown and uh, Amanda, Amanda Geta, our girl. And so what, what they can do so fast and on the fly is very impressive. Very impressive. Not easy so, to do. It's not. Nope. It's not. I'm up there like a stuttering Stanley sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know what I mean? So I guess what I was looking at, I said, there's a couple takeaways for me. Great job by Francis banking on yourself. Doing everything that you said you wanted to do. You wanted to fight boxing, you did. You 
and you fucking balled out. You showed out for everybody. You let everyone know that your power is there, your abilities, your athleticism. You're capable of doing whatever it is you put your mind to. No doubt. Got a great got a great deal done with the PFL. Looking forward to seeing him step in the cage for the PFL. Sky's the limit for what he is doing right now. I think that he takes another boxing match here probably within the next six months. Cashes out on that. He's got to pick carefully, though. The fact if that the WBC is already ranking mm-hmm. him in the top 10 tells you. Yeah. Tells you everything. They went and said, hey, we're going to put him in the top 10 in the heavyweights because that dude can fight. Yeah. Hello. I agree. Which only you know, which and, only puts him in a position to make money. Absolutely. And he and once he once he hit that that knockdown, it changed everything he can do in terms of who he can ask for. I can see him oh, yeah. fighting someone like an Anthony Joshua. He can I can ask see him for wanting anybody that in the top bracket of the heavyweight yep. division. He could ask for Anthony Joshua. He could ask for Deontay Wilder. He could ask for Alexander Usyk. He mm-hmm. could ask for any of them. And it's a legitimate request. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so now, and then where does he go? He does one more boxing match, see what happens from there. And then he maybe trickles himself over to, you know, over to the PFL for his MMA fight and see what happens over there. This guy's going to make a lot of money and all because he believed in himself and his abilities. And on top of that, this, this has, this goes a long ways. I said that I said, look at what Mike Tyson was able to do. You did what was bad. You you said the other two guys. So you said Eric Nixick and you said Dewey Cooper. Yep. Both those guys as well. I was just talking about the boxing portion of it yeah. all. But those two guys are the ones that for years have been right there with him, That's getting right. him to that level. Yep. You know, you know, getting him getting him ready for his MMA fights and getting him to believe that he could box at the highest level. Tyson was just an added bonus. And him learning just the little tiny little things, like you said, the frame away, all of those things make a huge difference when you're fighting someone on the level of a Tyson Fury. Yeah, little tricks. I'm looking forward to seeing what happens for him next in Francis. And um, I, I just, when you look back and all the things that Dana said, let's be honest, Dana, that's his job. When people, I saw Ariel posted something about, you know, back then when people did, you know, listen to this bullshit, da 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 has nothing to do with bullshit. No, it His has to job do with being a promoter. It has to exactly. It's exactly what it is. You know, and you've got um you've you've got you've got other promoters already coming out saying, "Hey, I want him to fight Anthony, Anthony Joshua." Well, because they're doing what they're doing. They're doing like, "Hey, I want to get my guy a fight and make a ton of money." They're that's what promoters do. A promoter's got yes. to amplify what is his and take and negate everybody else's Stuff that looks good is shiny and, you know, everybody wants to see and say, oh, it's really not that good. That's a promoter's job. He's Barnum yeah. Bill. You know, and, and look, Dana tried to sign him. Francis had his reasons for not signing with the UFC, and that's all good. I don't like when he sits there and tries to say, oh, he's afraid. We, we talked about mm-hmm. that back then. We said, look, he don't fear anybody, okay? That's bullshit. All right, but. I don't blame Dana for what he's putting out. That's that's his job, mm-hmm. you know. And when you take a look at it, I'm, you know, there's the we've had a ton of promoters throughout boxing history. We now have had a lot of promoters, you know, in MMA. Look at no one's put on more fights than Dana White. No one. Okay, he has proved he is one hell of a promoter, and he continues to be that. And Trust me, if given the opportunity to have Francis back, do you think he'd take him? Yeah, he would. 
no matter what Absolutely. he said, no matter what he said, he would Absolutely. take him because he knows, hey, I can sell that guy. And he could. Absolutely. There, there'd be no reason not to take him back. I mean, well, it, look, it's going to be the same thing as Dana came out saying, you know, we're, we're, you know, basically his big line is always, you know, we're out of the Francis Ngano business. Okay. But yeah. if given the ability and everyone was, you know, shaking hands and we're all, yeah, he would. And mm-hmm. that's his job. That's what he's supposed to do. Yeah. Look, he he took back. He took Randy Couture back. Yeah. He took BJ Penn that's, that's back. That's the whole point. He's taking these guys. He's taking yeah. them all back. He, he'll yeah. take them back. Of course. That's yeah. It, it doesn't matter. Look, uh, Rumble Johnson. He took him back too. Yep. All you have to do is go out there, win a fight or two, and all of a sudden you're looking nice and shiny again. You're that. You're that. With with the Randy situation, it was like literally they were battling it out forever. How long? And finally, I was like, look, let's just get the deal done where I come back and you pay me a little more. Yep. Okay. Yep. We got the deal done. There you go. You know, getting tired. I'm wasting my years. I want to come back and fight. Okay, well, let's let's make it happen. All right, they did. Dana will do what's best for his organization and what's best for Dana White. That's right. Let's just so when I see like media guys going, "Hey, you like, do you remember when this actually when, when people's believe actually believed this BS back in January?" I don't think anyone believes that Dana feels that way. Dana's got to say that for his company. But here's the problem, and and this is where I think. You know, this is where you'll get, you know, like the Ariel Hawani, I think, is one to put that out. And it's yeah. it's his ability to get at Dana because now I've, you know, oh, you said this and now. And you look and you go, yeah, yeah, he said it. And the one thing that I would like to see more of is those people in positions that are journalists and media people. Well, when you're there and he's answering that question, don't just accept it. Yeah. Push, for, push forward and say, well, excuse me. Are you mm-hmm. saying that, you know, you you will never, ever have Francis Ngannou back if he wanted to come back and he won? Let, let's say he goes out and he wins the boxing and he wins everything and he has comes back, ha, doesn't have one loss. You wouldn't want him? You know, do, that's what I would at least like to see the media do. They don't. They just accepted it for the answer that it is. And okay. Well, John, it's it not. goes back to what I said when I when I used one missed word. The media ran with it, right? When I said, <laughs> "Hey, you guys, are, you guys should be promoting this this yes. fight coming up, whatever yes. it was." When everyone knew that, I just said, "You guys should be covering it." Yeah. That being said, that's what I was talking about. Why is the media not pushing? Stop being, tr- stop trying to be in the back of Dana's pocket. Stop trying to be there, like ready for him. You know, like don't always be on his side. Yeah. You can't do it. You've got to, you've got to shine more light on this type of stuff. Be neutral. These fighters, look, there was all this conversation. Like when fighters leave the UFC, they just, not all of them need to leave either. Just all of them have to fight out their, like they fight out their contract. You know what they're doing. They're putting you on ice until like basically they, you starve yourself so they can try to get you to resign and put you, paint you in the corner and just make you resign under the pressure of you not making any money or having to have enough money to pay your bills. They know what they're doing. You know, they did the same thing with me. They did it a little bit with Benson. They've well, done it with other guys that I know. Okay, here's what it comes down to again. When you take a look and you say, let's go back to you. Let's go back to Francis. Let's go to back to a lot of guys where mm-hmm. you fight out your contract. If you fight out your contract, that is allowing you, after a certain amount of time, because the company that you're with does have, usually in the contract, a specific number of days where you can negotiate with nobody else but them. And once that time period is over, 
Now you can go and negotiate with anybody you want. Mm -hmm. Then they can always try to come back and match it depending upon what's in your contract possibly or something like that. But when you, when they sit there and they'll say, well, we released them. And then then (laughs) the media puts out, oh, they've been released by the USA. They weren't released. Yeah. Okay. They fought out their contract. Mm -hmm. Don't sit there. And because someone says a word and you know, it's wrong. Let me just mimic it in my, in my headline. Mm -hmm. It's the dumbest thing. Why don't you sit there and say, well, they said they were released, but actually they fought out their contract. Yeah. They decided to go somewhere else. Okay. Those are the things that need to be talked about because I think the more that the press does and the media does say it that way, you're going to see more fighters going, okay, well, hey, maybe I should just fight out my contract and kind of see where the money goes because that's what's going to lead to more of these situations and scenario, which, you know, what's crazy to me though, is that there will be some success stories during all this. And the UFC has the potential to get them back. Sure. I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example. Nate Diaz. He's going to fight one more time, probably between now and say like March. Yes, I can he guarantee is. it. Yes, he I is. can guarantee it. I can guarantee it. All too. right. Yeah. But I'm not media, so I'm not putting it out. <laughs> yeah, we're not putting it out there. But fight. <laughs> um, he's going to fight between now and like March. Um, that once that fight is done, I could see him going back to the UFC, I which I believe he will. Yeah. And he'll do the, he'll do he'll the third, do third, Connor, the third fight. Connor fight. Okay, great. And I wouldn't be Good surprised if that third Connor fight was going to be at UFC 300. I, I wouldn't be surprised. I agree. So he'll get that fight done, you know, either January or February, somewhere in there in his and other, you know, outside. And right he'll go into... back to the UFC. He'll go right back into fighting probably for UFC 300 or whatever, maybe right shortly after that. Who knows? But I think it'll happen right after, and he will get that third Conor fight. That will be the fight that I think he gets close to finishing his career on. These guys, if you play your cards right and do things like this, you go out, you make, you have a couple little fights out here right now where you can make some money in these other organizations that are out there. There's an, You can make more money than you're making, you know, fighting for the UFC. Go out there, make your money, play your cards right, and come back. Leave yourself a little skid on the bone. Yeah. to get back in the game. You just got to play it right. So that I think this opens up the doors for that to happen. Uh, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. And I agree with and you. And to think that I, Francis I, I wouldn't go back, I think he would. I think he should. I think he should. We'll see where he's at age-wise by the time. Oh, no, he won't go back now. I don't think Francis will go back now. He's got no. his deal with the PFL. No. He's locked in. Yes. He's 37 years of age right now. You could say that he's got possibly five to six years. Of good fights left? I think till 45. Okay, possibly. <laughs> He's in great Heavyweights shape. can fight longer. That's right. That's right. And I, I put it to 43. So 45, yeah. Absolutely, he could. With the power he has. Yeah. Well, that's not going to ever change. He's got that. <laughs> it won't go away. Um, what was your overall, like at the end of all this, what was your overall takeaway? My, my, you know, my overall takeaway when I, when I looked at this is I love when someone has <laughs> – the compassion to look at a situation and say, I'm not completely happy here. I'm going to gamble on myself and I'm going to go do what makes me happy. And that's what Francis Ngano did. Uh, I love him for doing it. I I love the fact that uh, Tyson Fury took the challenge. Don't think that he gave it as much uh, emphasis as he needed to. I think he, he absolutely overlooked Francis, you know, as I think all of us did to a point, you know, compared to the going into a box, you know, his first pro boxing match against him. Uh, 
overall, if you know, if I'm gonna, if the the big takeaway is believe in yourself, believe yeah. in yourself, and look at what you can do, because for a guy who, let's say, eight months ago, people were sitting there going, "Well, what's going on, man? Oh, it's done." Yeah. Look where he's sitting now. There was a there was a lot of people that came out and said that um. What was the terminology they said? Like, oh, he dropped the bag. He dropped the bag. Whatever yeah. it was. Yeah, yeah something dropped the bag. Because, you know, Dana was coming out saying that he had, you know, he offered him. And he offered him a good, you know, a great, you know. Yeah. Uh, a great contract. Contract. He said the highest paying heavyweight. Yeah. But it was, you know, it's for it's not exactly what, you know, was put out. I've heard, I've learned that. So it was good. And, yes, it would, in one fight, it would have made him the highest paid heavyweight. Doesn't mean yeah. it would have happened in another fight. But it was a good contract. But it wasn't what made Francis happy. You know, he wanted more, and it wasn't that he wanted more money. He wanted certain things out of the UFC that the UFC was not willing to do. And, and again, that's their right as the promotion to say, no, we're not willing to do that. We don't do that. Okay. It's hard when you do it for one fighter, and then another fighter comes and says, I want to do this, and you go, we don't do that. Well, you did it. I watched it. <laughs> okay, so that that makes it rough. I agree. All right. Well, we've uh, we've beaten that Francis Ngannou and Tyson Fury fight to death. <laughs> to death. So that that thing is done. We put a bow on that. And uh, go to onlyfans.com slash weighing in. Onlyfans.com slash weighing in. Subscribe to us over there. And uh, it's free, you guys. And uh, bring over any, and we're going to put over some extra content on there as well. So hopefully you guys enjoy it here. Go to OnlyFans.com slash Wayne in. What else you got for us, Dave? All right, so I got um, some, speaking of heavyweights, I got some MMA heavyweight talk to get you guys right now. Well, we got so, some talk to do. We, we, were, we were a couple hours <laughs> short on that one on our last show. <laughs> well, so we did talk about the um, the change to the interim fight, but mm -hmm. Dana White's saying that we're going to have to wait until Jones and Stipe happens in order mm -hmm. to get a unified title match. So uh, Aspinall... Um, oh, damn it. I'm drawing a blank on his name. Tom Aspinall and Sergey uh, Pavlovic. Yes. We're going to have to... Uh, we're going to get that interim fight, right? Just to fill the pay-per-view, get a title fight in the pay-per-view, sell the pay-per-view, all that stuff. Makes sense. And then we're going to have to wait to get John, to get the winner of this fight versus Jones and Stipe winner um, to unify the belt. So does that mean we defend the interim in there? Does that mean that we just go without a heavyweight to fight until Jones-Stipe happens and then we do a unification? Uh, I'd love to get you guys' thoughts on that piece. And then the second piece is, Stipe is kind of bummed that he didn't he didn't um, get the title fight. He says, um, I don't know why I didn't get picked, which is fine. I understand they have a direction they want to go. I'm okay with that. Every guy in the division is tough. I definitely want to fight the biggest fish, which is John Jones. It wasn't my choice. It was theirs. Um, and this was after Dana had said that they would not disrespect Stipe like that. So kind of, kind of a whole weird dynamic. Everything just feels off about this one what do you guys think go ahead uh, let's go to the first one okay uh i sent you over this picture of the steep a john jones on the news this the, pull that picture up guys. Is this the old one pull that, okay. yeah yeah pull, pull the picture up for john and i to look at he can't see it oh he can't see it. okay no, so hey no but you saw it though right john here is, yeah. you're gonna pull you're gonna post it up there dave really what yeah, it comes down fight. to yep, is yep, yep. yeah really what it comes down to is They've got to get to that fight as soon as possible. They can't afford for the winner of the interim title to fight John Jones or to fight 
uh, Estipe, and then have to turn around and then wait another six months or five months for that person to heal up and uh, and have that fight. So it just co- it just comes down to the old man photo here. This is the fight we're gonna get by the time John Jones is back from his torn uh, what is it bicep pectoral pectoral. Yeah. pectoral I mean, tendon. It, yeah, it's it's a shitty situation to be in, you know. Uh, but this is what this is what we're gonna get when they get back. It's gonna be this fight right here. <laughs> and so, um, look, Stipe, Stipe, I saw pictures of Stipe, man. He looks good. He looks lean down. It was, it was basically this, this reminds me of a Tony uh, Habib fight. I mean, I know there was, they, they got postponed several times, but there was the one that came out with the two of them being old like this. It was pretty funny. <laughs> um, but let me, let me, uh, go on to the second part real quick. Stipe, the reason why John and John, actually I'm going to have John talk about this. The reason why they don't want Stipe to fight for the interim title. Go ahead, John. First off, his age. Yeah. Let's just be honest. Okay. At the at that age, they're looking and saying, You're not the guy that, you know, we can build on. Yes, you have been our champion before, and yes, you have the longest run as the heavyweight champion. And we want to use that to sell a fight, but we don't think that we can continue on selling fights with it and having people excited about it. So first thing is is his age. Yeah, I agree. And th- the scare part is, is I think for them, is that he'll win the interim title. John's not back when he needs him to be. And he'll just walk away saying, well, I actually kind of won the title before I left. You just weren't ready to fight. Then it starts just causing a little bit of a, a haze over all that thing. Now, I think that Stipe is not that guy. He would fight if he was 45 years old. Yeah. The would. opportunity to fight John Jones and the amount of money he's going to make fighting John Jones. Um. And I think that the UFC, because John still has a little bit left in the tank, more so than Stipe, they're going to really try to get that fight to happen. So then you can say, well, hey, John is now the greatest heavyweight of all time. Because he beat the greatest heavyweight of all. That's what they're going to say. Let's just let's be real. That's what that's what that I know. But that that's what Dana's going to say. His job. We just talked about John. I know, Come on, I know, follow along. I know. We just talked about how Dana's job is to say to that all of his guys yeah, right. to sell, okay. to sell his promotion. I don't blame him. How many times have you heard the? How many times have you heard DC or anyone on the in the commentary booth go? The greatest. He's the greatest fighter of all time, or yeah. the, she's the greatest fighter of all this time, is, or this is the greatest, the greatest fight of all, of all time. time. Yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, well, you just said that last fight, like what the hell? So, um, but John, being who he is, and the potential to fight, you know, and only his second fight at heavyweight, beating Stipe, makes him now the greatest fighter of all time. Or greatest heavyweight of yeah, all time. I'll give him the greatest. I'll give him the greatest fighter of all time right now, but I can't give him the but, greatest heavyweight of all time. There's a difference. Yeah, okay, okay. For all the casuals at home, explain what the difference is. The difference is you have to be somewhere and do something there mm-hmm. that establishes you as that person that was better than everybody else that came before you. <clears throat> that is not an easy thing to do. Now, John has done that in the light heavyweight division. No doubt about it. And you take a look at you know some of the people that fought in that division. He's mm-hmm. walking over a lot of fucking guys that are legends. Mm-hmm. But John deserves it. He's done it. He has walked that walk. He's created that situation that puts him as the greatest light heavyweight to ever fight. Possibly the greatest fighter to ever fight. To sit there and put him now, oh, he's the greatest heavyweight that ever fought. He's won one fight at heavyweight. Mm-hmm. You're not the greatest heavyweight. Sorry. You can't say that. You can say he's the greatest fighter. I'm okay with that. But it just doesn't make sense to say if he beats Stipe, that doesn't make him the greatest heavyweight. 
Well, when you're saying the greatest fighter, do you think it's like, I mean, it's hard to say because I think the most dominant, which you and I both agreed on it was Habib, the most dominant fighter to most, ever step foot in the cage. Most dominant fighter every time he stepped in the cage. Yeah. Every time he stepped in the cage yeah. was Habib. Yeah, I agree. <clears throat> but then with John, then where, how does that make him the greatest fighter then? Because, because of longevity. Well, in at the heavy at, at the championship level. At the championship what, level, the man has had what I want to say 15, 16 yeah, 14, championship 15, fights. Like Jesus. 15, 16, and he's never lost. Yep. Yeah. That right there does. Bored. Yeah. And I, I honestly believe the fights that he did that were close, I think he was getting bored. Yeah. He'd ran through the division. No doubt about it. Two times over. Then you got the young blood coming up. He's like, look, I'm going to go to heavyweight where all everyone's old there. A little <laughs> bit slower, a little bit easier. No wrestling. I can just take him down, control him. Well, we're going to see. But well, look, this, I think it's going to be a fun fight. I think, if I think this, is a great, it, this is a great matchup between Aspinall mm-hmm. and Pablo. I mean, let's be honest. Sergey's got power. He's yeah. got that Francis Ngannou, you know, pop. He can put your lights out if... <laughs> Let's just be honest. Aspinall is the better overall fighter as far as the skill set, the tools, you know, the tool chest that he's got, what he can go to. He's the better overall fighter, but yeah. he's got to get the fight where he needs it to be to get the, into that tool set. That's mm-hmm. not easy. And we talked with Kane Velasquez and Kane talked about, I was just about Hey, let's just, yeah. let's just say, you know, I did train with Sergey and he was one of my sparring partners. And let me tell you something. I realized when I was sparring with him, uh uh-oh, this guy's got something here. That says everything I need to know right there. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's that's what I call There's a stamp of validation. Donk. It's there. So, you know, this is going to be a great fight. Yeah, looking forward to it. And then the fight that's taking its place, though, is Aspinall and... um, What, 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 what? The what? who's fight for the interim title? The interim title Aspinall is uh, and Aspinall and Pavlovich. Yeah, these two guys though. But I'm looking at these two guys. Aspinall, can he get this fight to the ground? That's that's the question. We, that's you know he can stand. He I, I feel like he's the faster of the two fighters. Now he shouldn't stand very much. I think he'll be quick. He's quick twitched and he can get in and he get gets out. In and out very well. He or does. he could strike right into like some sort of takedown, whether it's a knee tap or it's a body lock or if it's he's got to be cautious he also does not want to be underneath him too much without an active guard he's got to be threatening the submissions as much and as fast as possible i agree or getting back to his feet because if pavlovich starts raining down the punches man you could not be a heavyweight on your back you know accepting shots for very long one's going to get through and there's just too much too much power this is true this is true what else you got for us dave all right, I want to get your thoughts on George Masvidal saying that he will fight in a boxing match in early 2024. Um, I, we don't know who because he hasn't said, but it's going to happen early 2024 is what he says. Um, what do you guys think about him coming out of retirement and who would you think would be a good fight for this? First off, I believe George. I do believe he's going to be boxing. Kind of kind of know that he's going to be boxing and I think that's fantastic. That's what you know. he wants to look at. Masvidal has been in just a dog. He started off in the you know in the backyard, you know Kimbo Slice is the one that brought him in to fight backyard brawls. He did that. He got into MMA. He had a fantastic career. He won the BMF title. Why not go to boxing? 
So my my real question is: Are you going to be the promoter too? Because he's got his game bread. He's game bread. You know, bare knuckle uh, MMA. He's been doing. He's had you know uh, other ones. He game bread boxing. Let's go. You know the stories I've heard about George at American Top Team was that one of the only guys he was one of the only guys that would spar with Hector Lombard. Yeah. When Hector was there, is because Hector was always trying to like take people's heads off. Yeah. He was always kind of bullying people around. But George was to the point he was so good on the feet with his boxing and his head movement that it would piss Hector off. And he could actually <laughs> touch Hector, make him miss, you know, make him miss and make him yeah. pay. And he would just kind of like smile at him as he would do it, and it just it drove Hector crazy. But the two of them were two peas in a pod. Yeah, they were perfect for each other yep. because George was cool with just standing and banging. And he was cool with outboxing him and using his technique. And Hector was a was a mat bully. Just kind of came in, and he, but he was nice when he did it. Yeah. Oh, brother, bro. You know, yeah. like oh, nice. You know, oh, it's okay. Like you know, like always trying to be nice about it, but still trying to yeah, you know still take squash your head you. Off. Still trying to squash yeah. you. Yeah. Um. There's that, but I do I do believe that his his technique has always been slick on the feet. Go back and watch his fight. One of the most master class performances I've ever seen in my life, hands down was George Masvidal versus KJ Nunes. I swear, John, that fight, he beat KJ fucking from post to post. And, and KJ was known as a boxer. Yeah, yeah. It, it, he beat him with kicks. He beat him with boxing. He pieced him up. Yeah. I I was I, I thought it was going to be a good fight. It wasn't a good fight. It was a one-sided beatdown. It was it was once he put him to the he put him to the ringer. I mean, KJ walked out of there. His face was mangled. He looked like fucking he had elephantitis in the lips, the face, the nose, all that shit. He was fucked up. And George made it look easy. He made it look super easy. And when uh, he's on, I he can do that. Yeah, when he's on. And I go back and I look at his fight when he fought Nate. He was <clears throat> he was on. Look, the it, boxing was on, was and the masterful. kicks. It was. You know, Nate was good. Nate was in that fight, but Nate took a ton of damage in that fight. Mm -hmm. And oh. all the clean shots and all, you know, George really didn't get hit much. No, you no, know, he didn't. He put on a beautiful performance that night, you know, and that was, uh, that shows how good he can be and, and what he can do, you know, when he's on. So, but yeah, I look at, I look at George. I could, I mean, I think perfectly for him at the age of which he's at, I think boxing is good for him. Yeah. <clears throat> I think that'd be a good match. Yeah. So whoever he decides to fight, you know, which we know, but it's just, you know, a matter of time. We'll figure it out. You guys, you guys will all figure it out. <laughs> It'll come to fruition. It'll come to light here pretty soon. So, yep. <clears throat> good fight, though. You guys will love it. All right, next, what else you got for us? All right, speaking of good fights, uh, Whitaker, who normally isn't calling people out or uh, really um, challenging on the microphone, is saying that he would like Usman to stick around at 85. Ooh, I, like, I saw uh, that. What you, I saw that. What do you guys think about that fight? I love that. And I think it's a great call-out. I think he's doing it out of respect. He likes Usman. He sees what Usman can do, but he believes he can beat it. Both guys have been champs. I think it's a great matchup. Yeah. Give Usman time to put on quality weight yep. and get himself into being a middleweight fighter, carrying the proper kind of weight. With a good camp, mm -hmm. he can beat anybody. He's that I good. I agree. At 185, yes, because yeah. he's got something a lot of those 85-pounders don't have. Yeah, he can wrestle. top-level wrestling. Yeah. So there's that. And then I think also, too, let's not forget that Robert Whitaker came from 170. Yep. He was a 70-pounder, came up to 85, put the weight on perfectly, 
took him some time, you know, and he had some, he had some ups and downs early in his career. And then it was all freestyling from there to get into the title shots. <clears throat> He's a talented fighter. He does bring some threat to uh to Usman, but I think Usman with the level of stand up that he's acquired as of the last couple of years, his composure, he's got that fucking jab. It's probably he's probably got the best jab in the game right now. He's got a really good jab. He does. It's, yep. He's got a stiff Solid. hard jab. It's extremely accurate and he hides that right hand clean right behind that jab. And that's the key to throwing that stiff jab is getting it out there, getting their head to snap back. And then once you know you've made that clear contact, as the left hand of the jab hand's coming back, that right hand's coming right behind it. So there's no time for them to actually see it coming. Yeah. And it's just bop, bop, right down. He's got it down perfectly. And now you just start watching him follow up with some hooks and some other stuff. I think 85 would be good, but I've got to go with you on the same thing, John. He's got to have to take time to put the weight on properly. Yeah. yeah you know, and you saw that. Part. You saw that in the Usman fight, or, uh, sorry, uh, Chamayev fight with Usman. You saw that. It was Chamayev had all that time yep. to put the weight on. True. And Usman didn't. He came off the couch. Yep. You know, and he, don't get me wrong, he walks around around that weight, you know, but it was like he but also still, wasn't in great shape. But uh, but still, great. He was good shape. Good enough shape to where he was the guy that wasn't tired mm-hmm. in the end of the third round. Yeah. And if it went five rounds, I think he wins that fight. John, the, the other story, Dave, pull it up as I said it to you, is the Chamayev. Chamayev tore some ligaments in his wrist. Everyone kept saying his hand was broken. Yeah. I've had torn ligaments in my wrist and in my in my hand when I fought Sucks. Benson. I understand the pain. I do understand. I was still able to hit with it. It just was disgusting to me because mine was torn from my thumb all the way up into my wrist. So my thumb would move around inside my skin. It looked like, um, you know, those, you know, what are those little moles that look like they look like a penis? That's kind of like what my thumb looked like when it slid up into my, like they hadn't chopped off the foreskin on my thumb. Uh, that's what it looks like. That's, that's a, that's a great picture. You just painted. Uh, just want to give yep. it to those you. little, those little like moles with the teeth. They have bald, they're bald. You know, they have like one or two little hairs that stick out like that. Okay. I'm that's kind of what it looked like. I'm going to give you one. Your thumb we like we got to talk about one thing before we leave here. Your man was talking about your other man. Daniel Cormier was talking about Islam Makashev and saying that the person that he should fight next hmm. is Conor McGregor. I mean, he's Has, he's doing what he's doing what friends should do. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, John. Okay, I, mean, okay. Not, I just wanted to make sure that that you were looking at it the same way that I was looking at it. Yeah, John, uh, you're not you're not going to get me to you're not going to get me to to go off of that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, brother, but like, look. I've got a lot of faults in my life, you know, but, um, and one of them is being a fucking Homer to the team. Oh yes, you are. Like I'm just that way, man. That. I'm just that way. But, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> I, I don't know what to say. I, love I don't know what to say. Him. Look, I think it'd be a good fight. I think it'd be fun, but I, I don't think Connor's taking that fight. I think Connor's going to, Connor he's going to end up 55. I think Connor's gonna have to follow through with the Connor with the uh, Michael Chandler fight. I think there's a, too much stuff that too much money's been spent on them promoting Possibly. that fight. Possibly that the UFC is like, look, dude, you're coming back, you're fighting him, and then after that, we'll give you the Nate, and then you're gonna ride off into the sunset, or we'll renegotiate or retalk about what happens after that. You know, let's see where you're at. What is he? Two or three losses in a row. He hasn't. He hasn't. Uh, you know what I mean. So the one last thing I want to talk about real quick, real quick, is uh, Kamzat fight. Kamzat can't fight in the U.S. because he doesn't have a visa. Sean doesn't have a passport. Where do they make that fight happen? 
What do you mean he doesn't have a passport? Doesn't have a passport. Refuses to get a passport. He doesn't want to fight anywhere else but in the States oh, I love and it. in Vegas. I love yes. it. Yes. But so where does that, where does that fight happen? <laughs> well, it's gonna, if, that, if that fight is going to happen, you know, it's going <laughs> to look at yeah. the UFC is going to do one of two things. They're going to make sure that they get a visa in place for Kamzat to come into the country, or they're going to take Sean. They're going to pick him up. They're going to take <laughs> to the <damn laughs> fucking government building, uh, post office or whatever. And they're going to get him a, <laughs> a passport so they can put him somewhere to fight Chimaev. They're going to make it happen. Sean's not fighting out of the country. Uh, well, we'll see. <laughs> if you're the champ, the champ does whatever the fuck he wants, uh, right, Dave? <laughs> champ, the champ does a lot when yeah. the fucking zeros go on the, on the check. That's true as yes, well. That's is. true. All right, guys. Hey, we're going to wrap this up. Go to OnlyFans.com slash Wayne In. Also, go to WayneInMerch.com. Pick up some of our merch available there. It is freezing here in Texas. I hate to say it, it's fucking 48 degrees oh, today. It was so cold today. Oh, That's man. Cool. But, uh, John, take us away, man. Hey, for everyone out there, one more time, I'm going to say, I was wrong. God damn it. Love what you <laughs> but did, I was Francis right. Josh was semi-right, semi-right, but I'll give it to Don't him. Don't drag did, me down with you, man. Did, he did say if he can knock him down, it will change everything, <clears throat> and he got that knockdown. For everyone out there, thank you for listening to us, and we will see you.